Have you ever wondered what it would be like to homeschool in Australia? Today's guest, Charbel Raish, will give us a peek into the unique qualities of his family's Australian homeschool. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Welcome, I'm Lisa Maladnik, and this is Homeschooling Saints. Today, we're getting a wonderful look into an Australian homeschool with Charbel Raish. Charbel Raish is married to Christine, and they have been blessed with seven children together. Charbel has a passion for helping people get closer to discovering the fullness of truth and invites anyone who is willing to help him on this mission of evangelization through perusiamedia.com. Charbel has two degrees, a Master of Arts in Theological Studies from the University of Notre Dame in Sydney, and his undergraduate degree in Personal Development and Physical Education from the Australian College of Physical Education in Homebush Bay. He has over 10 years of experience as both a phys ed teacher and religion teacher for primary and secondary schools. Currently, Charbel is working full-time with Perusia Media. His greatest passion, which specializes in faith formation resources and events. Over 1 million people have been evangelized through the work of Perusia Media, and well over 300,000 resources have been distributed over that time. That's really amazing, Charbel. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, yeah. It's really neat to talk to you because we talked earlier in the school year about fatherhood and ministry, and I'll post the link to that original conversation in our show notes along with perusiamedia.com. But it's just fun getting to know you and now to look at kind of the a peek inside your homeschool to see what it really looks like. So why don't we just start with kind of what motivated you and Christine to take this dive into homeschooling? It was right when we um, were married. We just got married and, you know, those early discussions about um, you know, having children and, and um, what, what would be the plan, what would we do, where would we send them. We, we actually weren't considering homeschooling until a friend of ours who was a homeschooler, um, his name is David Obeid and uh, he's a good friend of mine, and he, he really um, showed us the benefits of it. Um, he had one line there where it really impacted me. He said, do you want to give your children the best part of your day or the worst part of your day? So uh-huh. it was almost like, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you know, typically you'd get up, go to work, and, and, and in most cases, um, you know, mum and dad working, going, going off to work, you know, drop the kids off at school, and then you don't see them all day. Then you come back late in the, in the afternoon or evening, and you're basically straight into dinner uh, and bed and it's over. And so you don't really have bonding time. You're giving them the end of your day while you're exhausted and tired. So with homeschooling, you can actually be your best and give give the children the best of yourself. So in the morning, uh, you are there, you know, and the mum and dad are there and you can both be present. That really had an impact, I have to say. Yeah, that's an eye-opening statement, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. That was that was in our first year of marriage when I heard that, and I chewed over that. I still was considering schooling, though, because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, there was many homeschoolers that I came across that homeschooled for one reason and one uh, reason only, and I was like, I don't know if I want to homeschool just for that reason. So the reason was 
because in the Catholic systemic schools, the religion classes were not, I guess, um, in line with the church's teaching. The many non-Catholics or many, you know, non-traditional views or non non-orthodox views were being taught, and um, you know, it is a problem. It can be very confusing for for your children if they're wanting to learn the Catholic faith and and the teachers themselves are not believing in it. So that was a problem. And so many homeschoolers would would say they're avoiding the bad teaching of religion. And so that that was that was sort of drummed into me in the in the early years. And 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 I remember I was actually just starting teaching at a at a Opus Day school where where I was actually the religion teacher. And I thought, well, well I'm not teaching all that stuff. I'm 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 a I, I would like to think I'm a a good religion teacher and teaching orthodoxy, <laughs> and so if if that's the only reason, well then we've got, we've got no problem because it, I taught at a boys' school and uh, my my sons would would come there, and uh, and that was the plan even after they were born. I said, yep, yeah, we're still on track with that plan, um, but there is a a longer list of why you homeschool, and I'm I'm happy to go into that a bit later on. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, at, at any moment, when it, as it comes to you, those reasons are so important to all of us. I mean, I happened to read books while I was pregnant with a very late life pregnancy that were written by Kimberly Hahn and Laura Berquist, and got fascinated with the idea that you could bring a child up in an atmosphere of love and faith throughout the day, like it didn't have to be a separate subject. And But it took me a number of years to convince my husband, so we ended up pulling her out after the fourth grade. But I know so many people, like there is, are as many reasons for homeschooling, you know, with lots of overlap and intersection, but so many, as, as many different families as there are, there are different reasons. It's always very interesting. Absolutely. Um, and the more homeschoolers I met, the more, um, you know, it was growing on me, the more I was seeing the, the virtue in some of the children, you know, the, the respect they had for their parents, um, the way they would get along with, with each other and even different age groups. So, you know, teenagers getting along with primary age students, we call it primary, I think it's elementary where you are. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, um, those younger, you know, mixing of age groups. So uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a holistic... Um, I guess uh, interaction there. You know, typically in in a systemic school, you are you know grade three, grade four are sticking with their own age, and and of course for right reason. But at the same time, they're still not getting that experience um, mixing with other age groups as well. And uh, homeschooling is sort of in that every day, <laughs> and you're mixing in with different age groups and playing with different age groups. So I think that you know, that's also healthy as well. Um, uh, and that that showed me wow, they could get along. Doesn't matter. Um, how old they are. Yeah, it's a lovely thing to see how many homeschooled teenagers willingly dive into a, a game with younger children and how caring they can be, what wonderful fathers and mothers they are being brought up to be, and whether they become priests and religious or they actually form families of their own. That experience of of being parental of being so humble and so service oriented with younger children it's just fantastic training absolutely um i I totally agree and 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 as time went on the list for why we homeschool um changed from being because it was bad religion in catholic schools to all these other positive reasons and and i'd love to go through them now with you um oh sure i'd love to hear you growing (laughs) yeah (laughs) no uh, it's it's so interesting 
and I have to admit, uh, myself being a teacher, my wife being a teacher, we were both and both in 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 um, Opus Day schools who who were teaching the faith, and we were both loving our jobs, loving our community, loving uh, where we're at. Daily mass. I mean, it wasn't as though we weren't getting a good good exposure. So if there was a school you'd send them to, you'd send them to these types of schools. But even with that considered, um, there were still all these other reasons, and I'll go through them now. Number one, yes, giving your children the best, but but number two, the bonding you have with your children. So um, throughout the day, you know, you you are. I remember going to work and coming back, um, and I would miss so many so many moments in the day, and my wife would always update me, and um, and she got to see them, you know. So you know, the first steps of the children, or the um, all these different little milestones and um, the different creative creative things that they do. And and imagine, you know, in a typical situation when they're at school and they're, they're discovering things for the first time or they're doing that without the parents and then they come back to tell the parents, which is great, but you're not there to experience it. In the homeschooling situation, you're there to, all the time to experience those discoveries and those, um, those light bulb moments in your children's um, lives. To, to see them transform, you know, day after day. And, and when you look back, you know, you, you don't see the day-to-day effects, but looking back and you see, wow, they really are growing up or they really are getting it or they're starting to learn. And, um, it, it's amazing. It, look, just the idea of learning to read and write, um, the, the fact that they could do that and, and not only do that, but sometimes even advance further than the systemic school. So, um, you know, they, they could advance in the grades if, if they're a, a five or six-year-old and they're typically in kindergarten or grade one. Um, in homeschooling, they could um, very easily advance to, you know, grade two in, in half the time. And, and, and so you notice this throughout their lives. And we said, okay, so academically speaking, they're also getting um, very good um, training. Now, my wife is a teacher, so that, that does help. Um, not that you need to be one, but the fact that she was, she, she used what she learned and applied it. But then we realised very quickly, we don't have to follow the school's curriculum. We don't have to follow what the state is expecting. Uh, we do have to follow a, um, a basic outcomes expectation. Like we have an inspector that comes around each year. It's very easy. But <laughs> we, we do above and beyond what the requirements are. So when they see our programs, they're like, oh, wow, okay, yep, yep. It's only a 20-minute <laughs> meeting and they move on. And so... Um, we definitely want to give our kids the best, but consider it like like tutoring. It's like um, a one-on-one tutoring scenario where the children are getting that that one-on-one time with with mum. And then there's also the personalised curriculum. So you know, schools these days are trying their best to to try to cater for the different um, levels of students. So you might have a child with special needs or or needs a bit more time to develop, and so you need to create. Um, sort of work for them to, to catch up with the main body of the of the class. And then you might have some advanced kids that, that go ahead. So all of a sudden, within one cohort, you've got 20 or 30 students in the classroom and they're on different levels and the teacher has to try guide them, but it's very hard to tailor that. But in homeschooling, it's quite easy, um, quite easy to see what each child's needs are and you can personalise the education for them. And that's where... The real gold comes in because now you're you're, you're doing what schools are in, are wanting to do, but they don't have the resources. But in homeschooling, you can actually adapt quite easily at a fraction of the cost, and um, that's quite powerful. 
look, the list goes on. Um, it's so much fun. Um, the timetable, the freedom of your own timetable. Um, and I, I can share here, um, I did, there was a moment when we did send our first two boys in school for one term. Now, a term is about 10 weeks in Australia. There are four terms a year. And uh, one term, uh, we, we had two boys at school and, and the rest of the children homeschooled. And so we had these, this double timetable. And I can tell you that the hour and a half to two hours of getting the kids ready, their uniforms, their lunches, their, <laughs> make sure they pack their bags, the diaries, they get in and then that, that, that get him to school. And then you've got the return. So you've got the same amount of time in the afternoon, getting them through their homework, checking off things. You know, you've got to be up to date what the teacher's requests are. And then there's all this other extracurricular activity. And you think, wow, all this extra work and homeschooling, you could get all that stuff done in just the time it takes to get them to and from school. You could actually get all the academic side of things done in homeschooling. So we thought, wow, look, let's stick to one timetable here, our own, <laughs> and homeschool. And it's been such a blessing and I have not looked back. And every day we do it, I'm just more and more convinced this is definitely the way to go in particularly for our family at the very least, but I highly encourage everyone to consider it at least to see if it's for them. Yeah, I've heard countless stories of people who have had to have a child home from regular school because of a surgery or because of an illness or something or something to do with the family maybe being on the move or something. And to their very great surprise, when the child goes back to school, they're way ahead of their peers. They've had a chance to really develop at their own pace. And another thing that you often see is that, especially now with the pandemic, is parents reporting kind of a I, I don't know if they would express it as surprise, but this deep kind of awe and relief in a way that they're discovering that having their children home full time is lovely, that they're it's stressful figuring out the educational piece because they haven't had to do it before, but that they really enjoy their children's company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. And and we're seeing more and more people in, inquire about homeschooling. Um, sort of long-term now, thanks to the pandemic, because they've had a taste of it, now they're starting to consider, is this for me and our family? And it's it's great to see um, the reasons now. It's for many positive reasons. It's not for that neg that one negative reason to avoid bad teaching. It's actually a long list of positive reasons. And that's why, that's what excites me for, for homeschoolers in, in, in the 21st century now. And there's so many different styles of homeschools, too. That's another thing that new homeschoolers are really delighted and at first maybe a little overwhelmed by, but there are as many ways to homeschool as you can as you can kind of discover a different type of a kid or a different kind of a learner. There's so many different ways you can go. Can you describe to us what your homeschool is like? Sure, yes. Um, very much in the early years, it was very similar to following the school curriculum because my wife had the programs written so that first couple of years, we were just sort of implementing what was done at the school because she was a, a elementary school teacher. She was early childhood and she would um, teach with those programs. And so that was the start. But then um, as we discovered uh, companies like Seaton Homeschooling and there was a distributor in Australia that got them to Australia for us and we said, oh, my goodness, you've got images of um, our Lord and Our Lady on the English books and, and, and mathematics You've, they're using they're using images, holy images in every subject. It's like all of a sudden religion isn't just a subject. It actually is infused in all subject areas. 
And we're like, wow, okay. So that was our first sort of transition. We In our sort of third year, we we started to implement the Seton um, uh, resources. And then later on, discovering uh, homeschool connections and then the, all the online uh, world. So as the internet was, you know, becoming a lot more, I guess, user-friendly um, and more resources were made, being available and our children growing up, um, yeah, we, we realised online there's so many more and there's a wealth of, of um, resources now. They're really, there's, there's almost so much that it, the harder decision is not what what to find, it's actually what to choose, what to say no to. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you, you've got multiple options now. And so now that we, we sort of have a bit of a mismatch of, um, we mix it up. So there's a little bit of, of what Christine, uh, some of the secular books we, we use um, for particular subjects in, in some cases, um, but then there's uh, Seton for, for, for a big chunk of it, especially in those early years, and then there's Homeschool Connections for our teenagers more so, um, and, then there's, um, and then there's a little bit of other, others as well, Memoria Press and, and some other resources, um, and of course, being part of a ministry, Perusia Media, it's great to be able to find other supplementary books and resources as well. From from our distributor, so it's, it's nice to have Dad involved in a in a in a ministry that distributes resources, so we can we can get them um, at a fraction of the price, and and that's been handy as well. So we we have a bit of everything, um, and I can tell you right now, as the children are being homeschooled right now, as I speak to you, I'm in the in the bedroom. My wife now is in uh, we're in the dining room at the moment, and they're all uh, they're all sitting in around and going through their own work, and they work independently. So each each child in their own age group has their own workbook to work through and then the, we, we ask them to work through what they do know what they don't know leave to the end and then just ask mum to help but be patient because sometimes you know three or four come at you at once and it's like <laughs> mum I need your help need your help and we know that feeling but it's we're trying to teach them to say look uh, let one go before you get on with something else that you do know what to do and then come back to to that one and so once we do that it's starting to help my wife Christina, I guess manage manage that, and then I now that I'm working for my mum, I might chime in time to time and and oversee how things going, and I would um you know just inspect the work and then and give them some help as well along the way. So so a lot of it is self um, explanatory, a lot of the workbooks, but uh, um, yeah, we we do that in the morning. All the all the sort of heavy duty um, uh, lifting, all the all the all the things that challenge the mind in in such a away you know the sciences mathematics english they are done in the more in the early morning they're the first subjects and then the more fun stuff with arts and creativity and um the science experiments and things like that they they happen sort of after lunchtime so um we try to take advantage of their alertness in the morning and that's when they're switched on <laughs> more and and give them those sort of uh, more um intellectual um uh, or the book work and things like that in the mornings um, and then they get all the practical, fun stuff in the afternoons. So that's oh, that's how we try to stick to. And and then there's some day outs as well. Lots of excursions before the lockdown. There was lots of excursions, but uh, due to the pandemic, yeah, that we've been at home. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's another story. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's not our typical homeschooling time. That's another message for anyone listening who's considering homeschooling or has just started because of the quarantine, is that this is not typical. Usually our kids are a lot more free range. Could you talk a bit about, about that? Because Australia is so known for its beautiful, natural, uh, just spaces, deserts and oceans and incredibly beautiful. Um, what? How does the outdoors typically, outside of pandemic time, uh, how does it support the educational process for your kids? What does that look like? Oh, we have so much fun normally. during Because you're homeschooling, um, during the school term, everyone, the majority of the population is at school. And so you can have days out and excursion days when there's it's, it's very quiet. So you can, there's no waiting in lines. You can go to the museums. You can go to um, all the different, you know, different uh, national parks that we have the beaches um, and you can go there and and there's no one around there's only a very few amount of people because they're at work or at school and so we can pick and choose our timing um, and even we might have trips away where we go for a couple of nights and uh, we'll go to caravan parks or things like that it's quite an Aussie thing to do we you know, Australian <laughs> Aussies uh, is our we, we we shorten lots of words so uh, the Aussie thing is uh, camping and uh, camping trips uh, there's some beautiful national parks, uh, places with you know rivers there, and um, you know we can we can rough it up and 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 pitch the tents, or we can do what they call uh, I think it's glamping or something like that. It's like like luxurious camping. So <laughs> comes with an ensuite or or a, a cabin. My my. <laughs> so so um, yeah, we have a bit of fun. We try to get out as as much as we can and experience and explore Australia. So you know it is beautiful, as you say. We go up and down the coast beautiful beaches um and, and yeah the children they they discover and they appreciate god's creation um and they get to do this and they don't normally get to do this if they're at school so they're very lucky to be able to um and blessed to to get these opportunities um uh, i can tell you we have like an annual pass for the the famous taronga zoo and so it's quite easy just to just to drive down it's it's only a you know 25 30 minute drive into our famous zoo in sydney you can catch the ferry across the harbour. It's quite beautiful. Um, and then you, you go into the zoo, you spend the day, and then you come back. And, and because we can avoid the peak hours, the traffic is very quiet. So you, you avoid going during those, those peak hours so you're not stuck in traffic for two hours and, and you can get in in a fraction of the time. So all that time, all that flexibility we have just allows for more opportunity. So, um, yeah, the Great Outdoors, lots of beautiful Australian birds. We live on acreage. Um, so we have eight acres. Oh, how nice. We wake up to the birds, they're singing, and we have famous Australian birds, the different ones like the kookaburra. Um, I was just thinking uh, of that one. We used to sing yeah. about that one in Girl Scouts. I don't know why. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a great, it, it's, it's a great alarm, I can tell you. They wake up, they, they start singing in the morning, they do their famous uh, kookaburra call, and then at night, at sunset, they, they do the same call. It's almost like they're getting ready for bed. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they do that. And they come in waves. So the kookaburras come first. Then the magpies come. Then the cockatoos come. And so they sort of, they don't all come out at once. They sort of, it's so interesting. They come out. Fabulous. And, and we sort of have this beautiful morning and evening, like sunset time experience with the birds and uh this like beautiful a concert <laughs> yeah that's right um and the kids enjoy we, we have little um 
a bird bath in, in a plate. We try to feed them and try to keep them coming back. So the kids love that. Uh, we, you know, we have chickens. That we um, oh, wonderful. We, we get the eggs from, and the kids are responsible for that. And and they run around. We have a, a soccer field that we've we've created, and um, you know, just having that space does help. So being locked down on acreage doesn't feel like you're being locked down. So there is a lot of freedom. So the, we keep reminding the kids they are very blessed to have the space. Oh, that's beautiful. And also, there's so many studies that the more time that we spend in the outdoors the greater our cognitive function. It's so refreshing for the brain just to to be out in nature, the colors, the fresh air, the activity, all of it is so good for us. And I was talking to someone earlier today who was saying that children who tend to be in school all day and on their phones and all their electronic devices, there's it's not that they're not creative or they're not imaginative but it's really different like they see, they seem to be more easily bored and and more uptight whereas kids who can roam outdoors or can be on a more flexible schedule and be in a more natural environment just seem to be endlessly creative and able to to be happy and and amused and interested in things absolutely i totally agree with that um my children now you know we we have set up um sort of a bit of a toolbox for the boys and uh, and um, a cubby house, um, a tree house. You know, now they're, they're starting to create this on their own. They're not, not, they're not needing my help. They, they sort of are grabbing scrap pieces of wood, getting a hammer and a nail, and they're just going for it and, and just building things and creating things. And, and you know, it's, it's so good to see. And we, we're just uh, really letting them thrive and, and explore and make mistakes, let them learn, let them, you know, they might hurt themselves and, but but then they 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 adapt and they they just are learning and building things and creating things, and that creativity comes when you when you eliminate all the distractions. You know the the screen time is is quite important. We have to watch how much time we we have our kids in front of screen screens, even if it's good stuff. So we we have to monitor. It's all in moderation. Um, but uh, being outdoors, as you say, it, it does really ins- it just brings the best out of them. And my wife and I have discovered this too. So we actually now, and thanks to the lockdown, we go out ourselves and we we actually have a break. So afternoon tea, we do the Divine Mercy chaplet. And then after that chaplet, that's mum and dad go for a walk while the kids, that's their screen time. We'll let them sort of uh, watch a documentary or, or do something like that. And then we, we'll go for a walk around the block. And um, and that that's it's quite nice having that the older children now looking after the younger ones. So we can, we can do those sort of things, duck out for 30 minutes and come back and have little breaks so we get to enjoy the outdoors as well. <laughs> yes, and how important for them to see the two of you taking time for each other. And something else keeps occurring to me, Charbel, too, is there's this really what I think is a ridiculous and and uh, really such a harmful conversation going on in the U.S. Of course, we know there are all types of people and there are some bad men and bad women in the world, but this idea of toxic masculinity has taken hold of kind of young people's imagination to the point where I think that young men are really harmed. They don't understand the beauty of their own natural strengths. I get the feeling, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Australia a little more man friendly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> we, we have a, 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 a farming culture typically, although that's changing in the metropolitan cities, but but for the most part, because Australia is vastly, it's a, it's a big, it's a land, it's almost the same size as the United States. 
Um, <laughs> I didn't um, realise it was that. However, big. most people, yeah, li- people live on the coasts, and that's the thing. Uh, most people are on the outskirts, and then once, as you go inland, you've got you know huge l- lands. You have five thousand acres. Um, the amount of hectares some some people have, and you know some people live uh, in the dry spots of the desert, and so you you naturally got to be tough. You you naturally got to try. Um, you know, it can be hot and dry in the summer. It could be we you experience all sorts of things. Four seasons in a day, especially oh, on wow. the east coast, you get it could be raining, then really windy, and then it then it becomes hot, and then it could be cold at night. And so you, you're sort of getting all sorts of things. Um, it's not very consistent. <laughs> wow. But that it depends where you are in Australia. The, the northern part of Australia is very tropical and beautiful. The southern part is very cold. Um, Tasmania, things like that. They've got shorter days than us. Sydney gets a little bit of everything, and I, I do like Sydney. Uh, it, it is, um, generally speaking, moderate. Um, it, it's not too extreme either way. However, you know, you naturally got to get used to the wildlife. You know, you, you'll see um, wallabies and kangaroos on the outskirts of the city. Um, you'll see um, spiders and snakes. You know, and um, you know, that I know that um, does scare a lot of Americans, but once you see them, <laughs> um, you get used to how to deal with them. And, and we remember that the snakes are actually scared of us um, and right. the spiders are scared of us. All we've got to do is the, for, for, the, for the one or two um, particular type of ones that we know of that are venomous, we, um, you basically you don't, don't um, make them angry. You, you just <laughs> sort of... Got, don't freak out and you, you let them go <laughs> and they just sort of, um, yeah, they, they, they do leave you alone. So it's uh, when you come across it a few times, then, then you get used to it. And, uh, it's funny that it's the larger spiders that are less venomous, like the huntsman and those other ones, and it's, it's more the Sydney funnel web that's quite dead, um, can be deadly for children if they're not treated but, or the, the redback spider and they can be found. But it's quite obvious where they are because the way they do their web and their homes, it's, they, they're sort of scrapped together, leaves and things, and so you could see, you could see them. So we we always are just cautious of it. And the kids now, now the boys, they go out, they pick up lizards, they pick up frogs, they do whatever, and um, they they try to be tough <laughs> on the outside <laughs> um, and help their sisters, and you know uh, they'll they'll look after that. And but you're right, I mean it, it's still like that, although. I, I, I do because of the internet, because of the media. It, it is, is is certainly changing, and uh, there is a this sort of um, misconception that um, I guess it's almost like uh, yeah, the men are um, are needing to be um, you know they, they need to change, in, in, you know, not not be so manly. Or this idea that the man is stronger and more important, or that, that's the misconception out there. And and w- women are weaker. Well, that's that's not what we we believe as Catholics. It's not what we believe as men. <laughs> women are, are are extremely strong. I don't think men can have children like women do. And and to put up with with the amount uh, that you go through and 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 the I just think that there's a whole conversation there. And the misconception of I think false feminism has has sort of crept in and. Uh, we that needs to be dealt with. Uh, you know, we need a, a healthy masculinity and a healthy femininity, and they need to complement each other. We have roles; they're both beautiful, and we both complement each other. And I think once we know that, let's embrace that. Let men be men. Let women be women, 
and watch the culture flourish. Yes, amen. And I really think that even though many people have called this a post-Christian era, and it may be, I've also heard savvy evangelists say, no, it's pre-Christian. We're on our way into a Christian era. And I think that as Christianity, and especially the Catholic Church for its clarity, um, at least at its roots, not necessarily in the way it's practiced, but certainly at its core orthodox teachings, is such a beacon of clarity and hope on this, this, this real love and appreciation for both the masculine and the feminine, and, and just how beautifully made they are by God and how good they are. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, so any, uh, anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap? I, uh, there's just so much to talk about with uh, the Australian culture and its advantages or how your particular homeschool is. What else would you like to leave us with before we wrap, sure. Sharbao? Yeah, um, you're, not, you're not alone. Um, so a lot, many people think that uh, homeschooling, you're, you're completely alone. But it is. I do encourage if, if you have other homeschoolers that are in the area, nearby um, to connect with them uh, let the children interact so um, that that is quite healthy time to time you know we try on a Thursday have a weekly gathering um, it, it's so interesting my, my wife is part of a group they call themselves the awesome mothers group and so the, the mothers <laughs> come together and then the children uh, get to play and that's sort of um, a, li- a bit more of a relaxed day uh, Thursday and there's also another group, Providence. Um, uh, it's quite beautiful, and so then there's there's a, get, a get, getting together and learning together. So classes are on that day. Um, so sort of one Thursday, it's gathering together and doing more sort of structured formal work um, collectively with other homeschoolers, and then the other Thursday is um, just more of a fun play day. Now they get to play anyway on the other days, but that's at least they're getting their work done. But there's also a very relaxed day. It could be a day out. They go to the zoo or they go somewhere together, but at least um, they're getting that um, social interaction as well um, with other homeschoolers. Um, and there are other groups that do sort of athletics days and, and, and sports days and things like that. So you could, you could do whatever you like, make it as relaxed, as uh, low-key or informal as you like or as formal as you like. It's, but I think it is, it is a great help. It's not impossible to do it without anyone, but having others does – certainly help you and you can share ideas and um, sort of bounce ideas of each other. And, and uh, it's, it's great to see my wife speaking with the other, other wives and they, they, they're, they're sharing ideas all the time, venting. <laughs> and, uh, but I think that's healthy. Uh, it's important that we have an outlet and, and someone to share the struggles that we're going through. So that helps. Um, and then, you know, get our typical week quickly looks like Monday to Wednesday is a little bit as, as structured as possible. Um, you know, we, we try to get to mass in the morning. We, we um, have all of our book work in the morning and then we do all the arts and crafts in the afternoon. Uh, and then, you know, we, we stop for the Angelus, stop for the Divine Mercy Chaplet and we have a rosary in the evening before dinner um, or depending on and if dinner's ready or not. So it could be before or after dinner, depends on what's on that night. Um, and then um, I try to read a Bible. I call it a Bible story before they sleep and then uh, they go to bed. And uh, my wife and I continue to stay up and we, we, we then connect and, and uh, have time together. So it's important to both nurture the children's relationship between parents and children, but also that marriage. And um, I, I can't stress that enough. And 
we talked about that actually in the homeschooling conference, which we were part of uh, recently about um, how do we love each other um, as we want to be loved. And, and that's also very healthy. And it's healthy for the children to see that mum and dad um, look out for each other. So we, we, I think when they realise that, you get the, you get everything in order. <laughs> and, yeah, and they just have fun with it. Fridays is typically a, a, a day out, a fun day out as a family or a, an excursion day. So, so that's how we try to, to keep it. And then, you know, weekends we, we do projects at home and that's where I get involved a lot more. And, um, yeah, having fun with it is what I would have to say. Um, enjoy the outdoors as much as possible and, yeah, get some help. You, you use the internet is there and let's take full advantage of it and um, reach out. There's so many great organisations doing great work and, and lots of free stuff online too. So um, there is no shortage of um, assistance out there. Just got to look for it. And what you're doing is an attempt to do that, informing people about the beauty and of homeschooling, the practical side of it, and sharing testimonies. So I think that, that alone will inspire people and I encourage people to just keep searching, keep looking, keep praying and do what's best for your family and, and what does God want from, from you as a husband and wife and, and, and from your children. So, yeah, that's, that's a bit of everything there, but uh, mm, uh, I, hope, I hope I said enough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, it's so fun seeing inside someone else's homeschool and how it's structured and everything else. We appreciate you so much, Charbel. That was a ton of fun. And everybody, remember to find Charbel at www.perusiamedia.com. And that's in the show notes, but it's P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A-M-E-D-I-A.com. And and thank you again, Charbel, for taking some time with us just to let us have some fun and see what an Australian homeschool is like. Absolutely. And everyone is welcome. Pray for Australia, the land down under, and um, we'll pray for everyone up there in the Northern Hemisphere as well. So um, it's great. This is what Jesus was talking about, the ends of the earth. Uh, We are are at the ends of the earth. So (laughs) um, we're praying for everyone up, up north as well. Oh, we appreciate that so much and count on our prayers too. Thank you, and everybody stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, I'm AJ Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings, a place where I get to share with you some of my favorite books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today, I'd like to introduce you to The Other Side of Freedom, a middle-grade historical novel by Catholic author Cynthia Tony. In the year 1925, 13-year-old Salvatore, or Sal as his friends know him, lives in a farming community in the South. His Italian immigrant father is doing the best he can to provide for and protect his family. Unfortunately, both Sal and his father become unwitting participants and witnesses to a crime that results in the murder of an innocent man and family friend. Sal's father makes him promise not to tell anyone about what happened that night. If he talks about what he saw, he could risk everything he and his family cherish in their new homeland. Sal's hometown of freedom is beset by bigotry, bootlegging, police corruption, and threats from gang members. Somehow, in the middle of all this, Sal must discover whom he can trust in order to protect himself and his family and win back his father's freedom. Sal's family, their African-American farmhand, and the girl who is Sal's best friend find their lives forever changed. 
The Other Side of Freedom is an engaging and suspenseful tale that will have readers hoping poor Sal and his family can find a way out of this mess they've gotten into. As a middle grade book, this is a quick read with likable characters. Sal's friendship with his best friend, Antonina, is the kind of friendship all kids want, a buddy they can be open and honest with, the kind of person with whom they can share all their secrets. As a work of historical fiction, this story offers some insight into what it was like for Italian immigrants who tried to be law-abiding citizens, but were often harassed and coerced by some of their fellow Italian-Americans who were mobsters. The Other Side of Freedom by Cynthia Toney has won numerous awards, including a Catholic Press Association Book Award, a Reader's Favorite Book Award, and the Catholic Writers Guild Seal of Approval. Cynthia is also the author of the Birdface series, a set of contemporary young adult novels. To see more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. There you can also learn about my own books for young readers, including my YA novel, Angelhood, and my middle grade novel, Seven Riddles to Nowhere. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Be sure to find me online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on my website, ajcatapan.com. Until next time, happy reading. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast. <laughs>